Welcome to the Binge Breakers Podcast. I'm Jacqueline. I am here to teach you how I overcame bulimia and my binge eating disorder, and how you can too. Through simple steps of mind management, repairing your relationship with yourself, understanding your habits, and intuitive eating. Disclaimer. This recording is not intended to be utilized as medical advice or a medical diagnosis. If you think you're in need of medical attention or treatment, please seek it immediately. This recording will also contain sensitive subjects such as binging and purging, weight and depression. Please listen at your own discretion and do what you think is best for you. Hey everyone, today on the podcast is an interview. I am talking with Natalia. You may know her as Binge Proof Brain. And those of you guys that are OG listeners, you've been listening to the podcast from the beginning. You'll know her because she was my second interview guest ever. And she took me on or agreed to be on my podcast a long, long time ago when I didn't have as many listeners and I was just a random person on Instagram and I still kind of am. But she was kind enough to say yes. And the things that I love about Natalia is that she first of all, is actually quite highly educated uh, in the field of neuroscience, in the field of nutrition, but then also she's gone through her own journey, her own struggle with binge eating. I just love having conversations with her because she really brings to light all the different factors that are creating binge eating and she's lived through it as well. So it's not like she's just giving this advice and she's never been through it. She knows what it's like to be completely out of control with food. Plus I love her reels. They're great. Recently, actually also her Instagram got, um, I saw this happen to two people actually. Her Instagram just got taken just suddenly she couldn't get in there. And so she's had to start from the ground up with her Instagram, which had quite a decent size following and it just disappeared. So please show her some love on Instagram. It's just binge proof brain and follow her there. She's luckily gotten, she saved a lot of the content that she had. So she was able to repost it there. So definitely go check that out. Well, and then her podcast binge proof brain is also excellent. And I listen to it occasionally myself when I need a little extra inspiration or just want to hear a different perspective. I hope you guys enjoy the episode. Please go ahead and give it a listen. Um, I think we touched on some really great points. All right. I'll talk to you guys later. So, Bye. Hey everyone. Welcome to the podcast. I'm here with a special returning guest. Natalia, I think was, I don't think you know, you weren't my first guest, but you were second guest on my podcast ever. And Natalia was so kind to, you know, say yes to me. Cause I was just like, maybe had like 200 followers on Instagram and I'm like, Hey, would you want to be my podcast? And she said, yes. So kind of her, um, but she is a fabulous person and I love all of her funny reels and she's highly educated in the area of binging and struggled with binging herself. But um, if you want, you can go back to that previous episode, but I'll have her reintroduce herself now. Hi, Natalia. Thank you for being on the podcast. Hi there. Hello, everybody. So I'm Natalia and I'm binge eating recovery coach and it's lovely to be here again. Uh, I hope that I will provide some um, useful, I don't know, information or I will share some uh, some stories that will hopefully provide you with some, um, yeah, something that you need. Maybe that's going to trigger some kind of insight that you need today, that you needed to hear today. <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah. Whenever I'm listening to your podcast or, you know, scrolling on your Instagram instead of being productive, um, I usually find something that I actually need. I'm like, oh, that's a really good point. Or, oh, that's really creative. Um, so yeah, I'm sure you'll say something useful for sure. Um, can you remind viewers of your story or listeners of your story? Like what's your background with binge eating? How'd you get to this point? Um, yeah, sure. Uh, so my binge eating started, I think, uh, at the beginning of my 
years at the university and it start, started in a pretty standard way. So I started dieting and after I lost some weight, the binge eating started. Uh, but actually, I think that my food problems began way earlier, but I just didn't notice. So it started with um, having parents who, for example, restricted access to certain types of food in my household. Uh, so it was so my relationship with highly processed foods was always like feast or famine. Um, but also a lot of emotional eating um, and so on. But yeah, the binge eating started uh, at the university. And then let's say that I have had a small uh, episodes with like bulimia, the purging type, uh, but also it all transformed in, in so many ways um, across the years because then I went vegan. So for a while I was able to repair my relationship with food. But then I got more into like orthorexia and I looked like a person who would suffer from anorexia because I was afraid of certain foods. Um, then after two years, I think I had a major relapse in binge eating. Then I gained a lot of weight. Uh, so I feel like the main, beach, uh, the main eating disorder I struggled with was binge eating. However, I could say that I... Um, you know, had experience with a lot of different things like orthorexia, um, trying to compensate for, for, for the binge, uh, but also restrictive mindset. So there is, um, yeah, there, there are a lot of things that were, um, that uh, were on my journey with healing my relationship with food. Yeah, that's what I like about you. Not that you suffered so much, but that you <laughs> have had such a diverse journey in your eating history. And I think something you said that was interesting, which is you think your eating problems started way before they were really apparent. And it's the same for me. Like, even though my eating disorder, the worst part of my eating disorder was in the span of four years with bulimia, there were lots of symptoms that I didn't pick up on. Um, way before then. And even in my childhood, there were weird things that I did with food that, you know, no one was watching. I didn't think it was strange, but growing now that I'm an adult, I'm like, oh, that was a really big red flag. All right. <laughs> you know, yeah. and I used to move on. So um, firstly, I also wanted to say, I was listening to your most recent episode this morning about um, your opinions on therapy with like binge eating. It's it, the title was, are you still binging? and in therapy or something like that. And I agreed with many of your points, but I found something so interesting, so simple that you said, which was um, that just going to sleep sometimes can help you. And I think a lot of people, it's so you like what you said was so brilliant because it happens to me all the time. Later at night, that's when my intrusive thoughts are the worst. And sometimes I'm like, I just need to go to bed. I know that I'll be okay once I go to bed. Can you explain to um, listeners why that is? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think that a lot of our problems, I mean, all of our problems are created in our mind. So sometimes disconnecting from it, it's like rebooting your, your computer and all of a sudden some things are, are fixed because we are looking at it from the different perspective. Mm -hmm. um, so I think um, that's the thing that we are doing, like allowing ourselves to go to sleep and then wake up and have a fresh perspective. This is an example of us being self-healers, mm -hmm. that we don't need uh, always the outside person to tell us what to do, to give us an advice, step-by-step -step uh, pro process to, to do something. 
but we need to calm down. We need to find our inner wisdom and act from it. So I think that this is our intuitive way of dealing with, uh, with some problems, just allowing our brain to process it because we know that a lot of, um, for example, memory consolidation, it happens during the sleep. So when we are sleeping, when we are disconnected from our, for, from our thoughts, our brain, in a way, is, is still working, processing, and sometimes um, just uh, getting a new thought in the morning is exactly what we needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You not, I mean, I experience that all the time. Going to bed is, I think, around 3 p.m. is when I start to take a steep decline. And then I like, you know, which is a natural, I think, rhythm in our energies. We usually dip around mid-afternoon and then come back and then later at night. But even then, like it starts to happen. I'm like, okay, just keep on doing whatever you need to do. But then by between 8 p.m. and 10 p.m., I'm just like not that nice of a person to be around. <laughs> I just got to yeah. go go to bed for the most part. And then when I wake up in the morning, I do feel a lot better, most optimistic and all the things I was worried about don't seem like as big of an issue. And of course, I know you're not saying that like, you know, if an ax murderer is following you around, then going to sleep is going to be fine, but it does help a lot. Just something simple such as going to sleep can help. Um, that brings me into one of the first questions I want to ask you about. I wanted to um, talk about urge surfing and binge eating, but I first want to talk about binging nutrition just a little bit. And it's a very broad question, but I know you've gone through different ways of thinking about food, like um, viewing food as just fuel and, you know, um, going into veganism. So how do you approach eating, I suppose, when you're struggling with binge eating for your clients now? Mm -hmm. All you have to do is just cover your basics, meaning making sure that you are not restricting any micronutrients, uh, that you are getting uh, enough of uh, all the vitamins, uh, minerals that you need in case you can supplement if, if it's needed. So I would say that nutrition and maybe changing your diet is not the solution for binge eating. Like you have to just have your basics covered, but a real uh, transformation comes from within, from changing your thoughts, your relationship with food Mm -hmm. and nutrition can help, but I wouldn't say that it's a solution. So it can help when somebody has really, um, really inadequate diet or maybe they are restricting certain uh, macronutrients or certain foods then making those dietary tweaks can help or maybe stabilizing blood sugar levels Uh, these kind of things can help but but what i see is that often people who struggle with binge eating they already have uh, very good knowledge about nutrition. They already know how to eat a perfect diet. They already know how to compose uh, meals um, that will keep them satiated. So I think that um, that what they need is more uh, working on their thoughts and their mindset, attitude. Um, but again, it's it's not the case for everybody. So there are some people who, for example, every day go to fast food restaurants and they just, uh, you know, for breakfast, they have coffee with bagel and with jam or something like that. So in that case, yes, we can work on nutrition to make sure that they are eating uh, satisfying meals, um, satiating and satisfying mentally. Um, so yeah, in those cases, we can make some dietary changes, 
Um, but again, they still should be coupled with some work on your mindset. Yeah, absolutely. Because um, I agree that sometimes people, they're restricting certain things or they're not eating enough. Like some of my clients that I've worked with, they simply aren't eating enough. And that is not the case with everyone, but sometimes they're not eating enough. And then you raise their food, the binging magically disappears, which is just, if that happens, like, booyah, that's amazing. But oftentimes, like you're saying, changing the nutrition makes it easier to facilitate then the work you actually have to do to stop binge eating, which can you, um, I guess it's a broad question to ask you like how to stop binge eating. So I, I won't do that to you, but what is your approach to working on the mind when it comes to binge eating? Um, I, so I'm gonna uh, first maybe backtrack to, to what you said, sure. that indeed at the beginning, I thought that most people struggle with the similar issues as I did, meaning that I really had to work on my mindset, my thoughts about myself, my thoughts about my self-worth and so on. Uh, but actually you are right that for so many people, there is still restriction present. And I mm-hmm. thought that that people needed something else, but you are right. Oftentimes when people just start eating more, uh, the problem uh, magically disappears. Mm-hmm. Uh, we could say that. Uh, but indeed, we have to differ. We have to see the difference between that primal hunger and between urges to binge. And I think that people often confuse them. Um, so when people recover from restrictive eating, disordered eating, uh, they will think that those are urges to binge or this is emotional eating, but actually those are just primal responses. Your body is just hungry. So that's the primal thing we have to just work on. <laughs> mm-hmm. You have to get uh, enough, um, enough nutrition, enough energy to fuel your body. And you might be also confused about how much is enough because during the recovery, enough may actually be, may actually be a lot <laughs> for mm-hmm. some people, right? Um, so it's, it's just worth uh, remembering. And now could you repeat the, the question you asked? <laughs> well, now I have like more questions, but, <laughs> but yeah, I certainly think that was excellent. Just moving on from that, because I, I think this will lead us into a good topic. You said differentiating between primal hunger and binge urges. And I know that is a big one people struggle with and they find it so hard to differentiate. How do you propose people differentiate between those two? Mm -hmm. So um, I would say just first you have to take the action and make sure that you're eating enough. And then you may notice uh, the differences because I could describe it in million ways, but if you don't feel it in your body, then it's actually not gonna be that helpful. So I think that allow yourself to eat uh, adequately for a couple of, you can even notice it after a couple of days, but preferably weeks, and then you're gonna get get a feel that this is that this is something something different. Uh, and it's and I think that it's hard hard to describe, and it's better if a person really experiences that uh, by themselves. And they may not experience those urges because uh, those urges to binge because maybe they were eating adequately adequately for a while, and those primal primal hunger will just you know um, will just take care of. Uh, their relationship with food and they won't need to do additional work on urges to binge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I find that um, what I typically tell people is that a hunger, just general hunger, not even necessarily primal hunger, which I'm imagining you mean is a more extreme hunger. 
general hunger usually doesn't feel as urgent or anxiety provoking. It can still feel anxiety provoking to some people because they have so many thoughts attached to it. Of like, oh my God, I'm, I'm hungry. So I'm going to binge. But general hunger usually feels a lot more physical and a lot less scary. And then I think binge urges feel a lot more urgent and anxiety provoking. And like, you have to eat everything right now. Would you kind of agree with that? Yeah, yeah, totally. And even if we want to um, make a difference between regular hunger and maybe emotional hunger or urges to binge, yes, you're totally right. When we are dealing with the regular hunger, usually it feels more peaceful. Usually Mm -hmm. when we tell ourselves like, okay, five more minutes, 15 minutes, this hunger can wait. This hunger is also felt maybe more in your body, in your stomach area, not in your your head. Uh, And usually, yes, this hunger is, is more patient, and however urges to binge they will feel like this is like a huge energy and that energy needs to be uh transport needs to be released in some kind of uh, way so definitely urges to binge feel more urgent they feel like restlessness they feel like anxiety and you do have a lot of those thoughts that are fueling uh, that energy even even further Mm-hmm, absolutely. So what um, that was, this kind of brings us back to the original question I asked you, which is like, how do you propose people deal with those urges? What's your recommendation? Mm-hmm. It, it usually depends on a stage of the recovery, because, um, again, for some people, maybe allowing those urges is still a good idea, like not fighting with it, not catastrophizing it and learning to maybe modify the urge in a modify the binge itself in a different way because i imagine that most people want to recover from binge eating just by stopping the binge before the binge happens mm-hmm. and unfortunately that's often not the case so if we would see the binge eating as a puzzle we have to sometimes take it piece by piece and modify the binge in that way so if you want, if there's a person right now who wants to recover from binge eating, they may assume that, okay, I'm still going to be binge like a hundred times. So if I know that in my bucket, I have like hundred binges, how I can maybe modify them a little bit to change that habit. Maybe after the binge, I can, um, I can first, I can stop compensating or I can be more compassionate or I can, um, be more mindful, maybe do some journaling about what happened. Maybe during the binge, we can modify the binge itself. Maybe you can be more mindful. Maybe you can actually sit down instead of like standing in your kitchen. Maybe you can turn off um, uh, whatever you're watching while binging. So let's start with modifying those binges uh, before we even uh, get to a point to that we want to prevent them from from occurring. I think that that usually that's the way it goes because slowing down the binge or modifying it in that way, it doesn't matter what, what, what you are actually doing. What matters is that it gives you a time for self-reflection, that it gives you that moment that maybe you're gonna be you're gonna gain a little bit more, of awareness and that awareness will give you a choice whether you want to continue the binge or you want to stop the binge 
uh, or you want to um, continue, but with like different perspective, because usually when the binge starts, people just go into like binge trance. They are on autopilot, they do not think, and they sort of like wake up after the, the binge. So mm -hmm. I think that bringing more awareness to the binge itself, it, it can be helpful. Yeah, and this is really brilliantly said. I like your phrasing of modifying the binge because I haven't heard someone phrase it with that particular word before. And I know that, you know, words don't necessarily mean much, but it makes you think of, instead of black and white, of either I binge or I don't binge, I did binge, but here was this small amount of progress or small modification. And I know people out there hearing that are like, what you're saying, I'm still going to binge in recovery, but you are right that sometimes even if you do binge, there are points where if you go at it differently, you can, like you said, have that awareness, maybe have that choice of going at it more mindfully or stopping altogether. Um, something that I did in my recovery, I didn't realize I was doing it, but I started, you know, working on myself. I started doing, I had given up on recovery altogether, but I was working on my mindset and slowly but surely my binges did get less frequent and I was more mindful during my binges all of a sudden. And so I realized that, like, this isn't that good. I'm not really enjoying this. Um, I was sitting down for my binges instead of, like you said, standing in the kitchen and it wasn't that conscious, but what I, what I, what was helpful about that is that I was slowly coming to the conclusion on my own, not trying to force myself that I don't want to keep on doing this anymore. And I think that's what made my eventual like pausing, stopping much easier is because I had come to that mindfulness awareness, like you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that in my case, it was very similar. I often say that in my case, that was just a transition from like crazy binges to just binges and the frequency <laughs> uh, changed, the amount of food changed, then binge eating uh, transformed into overeating, overeating into emotional eating and so on. So I think that most people recover in that or similar way they do have to come to their conclusion by themselves. They need to have that insight that changes everything. That's why I'm, I'm not a big fan of all of those self-help books, all of those strategies that people try to um, uh, push on other people like, hey, this is the way to recover from binge eating. This is the only way because I recovered in that way. Mm, yeah. uh, well, we can we can show many different strategies. We can show many different frameworks. We can share success stories, but ultimately, uh, a person will have their own insight, and maybe they're gonna uh, say that they had that insight because of some strategy or because they did something differently. But it's it's the insight that you need in order to to change your perspective. And changing your perspective will change your thoughts. Your thoughts will change your emotions and your emotions will drive the different actions, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, it just comes, it all comes from you changing the perspective of how you think or maybe even how you relate to your own thinking. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's kind of funny because like we both obviously coach on binge eating and trying to help people stop it. But I do, I hate it when people are like, this is the only way your way cannot be possibly correct. And it's like, like you said, so many people have different stories. And even me just thinking anecdotally, not one person I've worked with has had the same recovery story, even though, you know, they could all fit into sometimes similar categories. 
they're all going to tell it differently. They're all going to phrase it differently because they have their own insights and beliefs on how that happened. Um, all unique individuals. So yeah, very, very well said. Okay. Let me go on to the next question. Um, when it comes to, um, actually in the moment, well, I want to ask that question. So I think what you said was good. Let me think. We're just going to have to pause the podcast here because now I'm drawing a blank. Prince <laughs> is getting like all nervous. Because um, I wanted to ask you about urge surfing and whatnot. I think you really covered it quite nicely. Do you think that's still a useful question to ask? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> um, so actually I, I don't I don't know I think that the, we, we've covered it well enough and I don't want to like go into it too much so I'll just start with this Natalia I think you've offered a lot of actually very good advice for people um what would you do you have any practical advice you'd offer for someone struggling right now with binge eating practical advice I think that instead of looking for the answer outside what a person could do is that they could look inside. So instead of like scrolling on the Instagram and trying to find another recovery coach, reading all of those posts, mm -hmm. take a couple of minutes and practice maybe mindfulness. Practice maybe putting your thoughts on a piece of paper just so you can see what is exactly in your head. Maybe during the binge, after the binge, you could try to uh, figure out what exactly happened, how your binge eating cycle uh, looked like. So whatever you want to do next, my practical advice would be to just analyze what is already in front of you, what is already happening in the present moment or what happened in the, um, in the, in the past, which you can still remember correctly. Um, so just start with with what you already have inside you. You already yeah. you probably already have all the answers. You just don't know where to look or that uh, it is. Yeah, you don't know that the solution is is already within you. That's really wise. Yeah. Um, this morning I was just feeling quite overwhelmed as I always do. Like every morning is an overwhelmed moment. But instead of, I, I, I have the habit of wanting to still constantly distract myself with an audiobook or with a podcast or something. And thankfully I'm more mindful about it. So I just kind of paused it and I sat on my floor and just stared at the window and just like stayed silent. And just that piece of making space to not be constantly inputting your mind with other people's thoughts was alone just very nice for me to have. But you're right, like constantly people are, are, it's great that we're in an age where there's so much information, but it's almost like information overload and you already have so much. And what's the, it's called something paralysis. It's, uh, analysis paralysis. Thank you. Yes, analysis paralysis, right? And you're like constantly, I need one more bit of information, one more bit. And you do often have a lot of the information you need inside you and you need to put that to use before going and looking outwardly again. Yeah, totally. We are, um, yeah, knowledge is power, but um, without action, you cannot do anything. So instead of like focusing on gaining more information, we need to focus on implementation. Even if you would implement just one idea you've heard, 
it's still going to be more useful rather than um, you know um, searching for more and more ideas and and frameworks. And I know that because I'm a self help junkie. You know, I used to do <laughs> yeah. that all the time, reading all of those books, reading, uh, listening to audiobooks, to podcasts, like uh, not having my even one my own thought, but constantly like searching for for the answer. The next person will give me the solution I need and believing that I'm lacking something and that I need to find it and that it's definitely there. So I keep searching, 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 but um yeah, I, I didn't find <laughs> what I was looking for because what I was looking for is already within me. Uh, and what we need is a little bit more clarity. That's why I love my mindful moments. And they allow me to, to, to take an action, not just listening to what other people have to say about what should be my next step, but really finding the, the solution for, for myself. So uh, taking action from the standpoint when you do have that clarity, when you are listening to your intuition or inner wisdom, that's so much more valuable rather than the next self-help book that you want to buy. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And we're, we, both of us, I think we have nothing against self-help, but like it can become its own form of distraction and procrastination and whatnot. I was thinking too, this morning when I was just sitting there is a good, like 20 minutes. And I was like, when do I ever feel like this anymore? Cause I mean, you remember when you're a kid, you have those moments all the time where you're not doing anything, you use a road trip or something, you're staring at the window board and it gives your life space. And I think if we're not careful, you're always trying to cram more and more into whatever you're doing. And it's like, if you just take a step back and let yourself chill, that's time. It's not wasted. It can just be peaceful and nice. And you don't have to be doing something constantly. And especially just cramming your mind with more information that it can't even hold on to. It's not, not good either. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast and all your helpful insight. I thought your answers were very well, very, very well um, said, even though I couldn't pronounce that for some reason. Um, <laughs> where can people find you? Uh, so I started my own podcast. So I think that would be the best place. I mean, I started it almost a year ago. Mm-hmm. So the co- podcast is called Binge Proof Brain. Uh, and that's probably the best place to find me because on a podcast, probably we can uh, share way more than on a short, um, short post on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on a podcast, we can go a little bit more in depth into the topic and we can be a little bit more nuanced. So you can find me on a Binge Brew Brain podcast, but also as a Binge Brew Brain on Instagram also on my website, also Binge Pro Brain. <laughs> Hopefully when you Google Binge Pro Brain, you're going to find me on some kind of uh, platform. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I listen to your podcast. I don't listen to every episode, but I think that the episodes are very candid, firstly, like you're very open and honest about your own experiences and what you do, but very um, helpful and practical and straightforward as well for what people are struggling with. Um, and as far as, is there anything new going on in your business that you want people to, if people want to work with you, where should they go or what should they try to find? Yes, so I still offer just one-on-one, one-on-one coaching. My coaching usually lasts at least three months. Uh, so yes, if somebody is interested in coaching, then um, that would be it. And that's for, us. for now, this is all that I offer. 
Yeah, that's great. I mean, I know sometimes people are like, I have for this thing and this thing. And it's like, sometimes it's good to keep it simple as we're saying. So, and one-on-one -on -one coaching is amazing. All right, yeah. well, thanks for being on the podcast, Natalia. Thank you so much for inviting me. As always, I had a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, I right, bye everyone listening.